My guest today is Danielle Weeb. Now, Danielle is so many things. I mean, she is genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with. She is a visionary entrepreneur, a podcaster with an extremely popular show. She's an expert on collaborations, and she's the founder of Business Babes Collective, which is a global community that supports and connects female entrepreneurs and leaders. Now, in this conversation, you'll hear Danielle and I talk about everything from what it's like to host in-person events and have to pivot during the pandemic to navigating new motherhood as you are a business owner. And I, what I found to be especially interesting and resonant was Danielle's journey of going through a little bit of an identity crisis, even as a successful business owner. And one of the hard costs that she shared with me, and you'll hear her get very transparent and candid about this, was that she really had identified herself publicly and personally as one thing. And then something happened that really required her to confront that identity and pivot and change. And the way that she did that with grace and also her approach to working with other people who are navigating uncertainty and changes in their own lives, it really, really gave me the chills and had me in my feels. And I think it will be the same for you. So enjoy my conversation with Danielle Weeb. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Danielle, welcome to Hard Costs. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so delighted that you accepted. I have to confess that I have been a fan of yours for much longer than I have been on your radar. And Mm. what really propelled me to reach out to you for this show was a collaboration. And so we share a mutual friend in Veronica Romney, who has been on this show. And I remember we were on a Zoom just, you know, Veronica by nature is a super connector. And so I was in this room with all of these people that I had admired and really been following. You were in the room and I thought, well, here's the power of collaborations. Here's the power of network and referral marketing. I'm going to reach out and say, hey, can you and I be friends? So I would love to hear a little bit about you and kind of your origin story for what made you the business babe and boss that you are today. 
Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, obviously a long story, but I'll try to give the cliff notes. Um, I've been in entrepreneurship for a very long time. It's been, I think, almost like 11, 12 years now. And really, it started with this passion for people and for business. I always had kind of like a business, creative mind, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And so when I started studying and trying to figure out, okay, like, what do I want to do kind of with the rest of my life? I tried a lot of different things. So, um, I actually ended up, um, starting a social media and web design company with a business partner. So we ran that for a couple of years, um, while I was still studying. And then when I graduated, I had kind of, um, you know, moved on from that business and, just sort of in that zone of like, okay, what's next? And so I took a bunch of different jobs and then that kind of propelled me into figuring out what are my passions? What are my strengths? And uh, my family is very entrepreneurial. So my mom had her own business. My um, uh, dad uh, had a business as well. And then my sister had a wedding planning business. So I worked for her doing events and weddings. And then I worked for my mom's business. I would go to trade shows and do, she did international sales for um, electronics. So that was like a totally different industry. So just sort of hopped around. And then um, when I really realized like, okay, I do want to have my own business again, I just started networking like crazy. I would go to like tons of different events. I think at one point I was going to like one event per week and just trying to figure out like meet people, network, figure out what I wanted to do. And then, um, I started my next business and that was in the health and wellness space. And then I started realizing that there wasn't a ton of opportunity for young women like myself who were just kind of getting started in, in their businesses. There wasn't a ton of opportunity for us to connect and network with like-minded people. I found the people that I was networking with were like, you know, 10, 20 years into business, like mostly like double or triple my age. And it just, I just found like, I felt like it didn't belong to be honest with you. And it always felt a little bit awkward, like walking into a room where I felt like, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't be here. <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to host my own first pop-up event. So I did that. And I think the first event that I had, we had like 10 people there. It was super chill. And then, um, the people there were like, okay, well, like, when's your next one? I'm like, okay, I guess we'll host another event. And so I started hosting these little pop-up events and then that just snowballed into um, the business that now I run today, which back in 2017, 2018, we ended up actually launching into different chapters. So my local city is Vancouver. So we ended up launching a chapter in Seattle, in Victoria, in Toronto, um, and San Diego. And then um, the pandemic hit. So we had to just totally scrap that, scrap the events. We had 80% of our revenue from the business coming from events. And that was obviously gone overnight. So then I realized, okay, we really have to hone in on building our online community. Because at the time we had Instagram, we had that kind of thing. But, you know, I hadn't really spent a ton of time, you know, growing my email list or um, having any kind of another platform. So in that year, we started really focusing, honing in on growing that and started the podcast and grew that. And now we have a really awesome, amazing community of women, both 
uh, online and now we've brought back our in-person events. So we do education, we have mastermind groups, we have an online course, and then we're starting to do events again, which is super fun. Oh my gosh. I love you. You talked about all these pivots and I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but you said something that really hit me where you felt this sense of not belonging. Was that the Mm -hmm. first time in your life that you had had that particular feeling or is that something you had experienced? I'd just love to know, like, what was young Danielle like? It sounds like right now you're extroverted. You're a super connector. You have to sort of have that outgoing, you know, magnetic personality to do what you're Mm. talking about. But is that, is that true? Is that you or tell me? It's actually such a good question because I think about this a lot because as a, as a child, I was actually extremely shy, like extremely shy. And I remember, um, my mom would drop me off at daycare and I would like scream and cry. I did not want to be there. I just wanted to be with my mom. And then when she would leave, I would like cling on to the teacher. And like, I did not want to hang out with any of the kids. I was just so nervous. And so, um, yeah, shy around like other kids. And, and, uh, I remember I think it was in kindergarten. My mom told me that she got back my report card, like report card, right. You know, it's just basically, how are they doing? And, and what it said was she's finally making friends. <laughs> so it was like halfway through the year and I was finally making friends. Oh my so, gosh. um, yeah, I was like terribly shy as a kid. And, uh, I grew up with, um, in a family, in a really large family. Um, but I had two older sisters and my sisters were 18 months apart. And then there's five years between, um, my closest sister. So, um, I always felt like the odd one out there too. Right. Cause I was like this annoying little kid. <laughs> my sisters were like best friends. And so, you know, I would always be crying to my mom, like, Oh, you know, uh, my sisters don't want to include me in anything and all this stuff. Right. And so I think, yeah, like it's funny looking back. Cause it's like, wow, you don't really realize that like the way that you grew up and different things. Cause to me, community is everything. Like it's so, so important. And family is so important. And, you know, um, and I remember learning, like, as I sort of grew up and my sisters were telling me, we're all like very close now, of course. And they would always tell me like, you were just, you were so like emotional, like you felt things so deeply. And, you know, now that's like translated into like, you care so much about like other people, you like feel what they're feeling. And, um, so I thought that was super interesting, just how that kind of like plays into, you know, our childhood and and what we experienced in our childhood and like how that plays into who we are today. So yeah, thanks for asking me that question. I feel like I've never been asked that question before. So <laughs> I love that. And I think part of it is, so I moved around a lot as a kid. I, my, my father worked in a, he worked in the television business. And so he just naturally, his contracts would sort of come up every two years and you'd go to a bigger city and a bigger city. And, and it was interesting because I was talking with Jordan Gill on this same show and she had a similar experience. And what I have discovered is that, I mean, we all bring whatever it is from our childhood, whether it's mm-hmm. incredibly positive positive and wonderful or traumatic, but it, of course it sort of points to, you know, we always want to surround ourselves with people or create products that fill whatever it is that we wanted as a kid, not to get on my therapy sandbox, uh, soapbox, yeah. but, but in hearing from someone like Jordan or my own experience where we naturally had to kind of cut through the noise and go make friends and be a little bit less afraid of 
what people were saying. I do find that people who didn't necessarily have that experience, understandably, have had to sort of create mm -hmm. that as they've gotten older. And I'll tell you yeah. from the outside looking in, everything you just said makes so much sense because the care, and obviously I have a different perspective than you and your team would. You're trying mm -hmm. to build it from the inside out. But what I see is this incredibly inclusive, positive, affirming community where everyone is allowed in. And I'm mm -hmm. wondering, you must have heard pushback from people in your life or people that are looking at what you do saying, yeah, but what about competition? You know, why would I collaborate mm -hmm. with someone who's doing the same thing I am? Why would I partner with somebody mm -hmm. who's going after the same audience as I am? What's your response to that type of feedback? Mm, I really love this question because I I think anything that we are excited or passionate about that we talk about is something that we've had to kind of like figure out ourselves. And I think that when I first got into business, because that's what I saw, I saw, you know, exactly what you said. It was like people would only work together or like support each other or collaborate if they, um, if they were the only person in that niche in that group, like it was, and I would see all these networking groups too. And it was like, oh, you can only join if you're like the only person of with like this specific, you know, um, I don't know, category of business. And that always felt really weird to me. It always felt a little bit like, um, cause, cause I always wanted to network with everybody. And, you know, I truly do believe that we all, like there's no such thing as true competition because no one is actually going to do what you do the exact way that you do it. Um, and the only way that I think competition becomes um, – what I always tell people is that you can collaborate with people that are direct competitors to you as long as there's trust there and as long as there's shared values. So I'm not, I'm not here to say like you have to go and collaborate with everyone. Like that would be kind of ridiculous. But if, if they share values and you respect them and you trust them and you have that relationship, then why not? Like those are probably the people that you're going to have the best conversations with. Those are probably the people that are super like-minded or some, you could do something together with them. Or even if you never do something together with them, like it doesn't matter. I think that we just have to be open to those opportunities because if we live our lives or run our businesses in a way that's like, oh, that person's my competition. So I can't like, you know, um, connect with her or collaborate with her. Cause what if she steals my clients or whatever? Like, first of all, that's just not a fun way to live. Yeah. <laughs> number one. <laughs> and then number two is it's just silly because, um, I always think about it this way. And this is actually what I tell people in my community is that if, someone, let's say you have a podcast and you have someone on your podcast that is literally a direct competitor. They do exactly the same thing as you do. You have a conversation with them and someone listening to your podcast hires them instead of you. I always tell them they probably would have never hired you anyways. And that's like maybe a hard truth to hear, but it's, it's one of those things where there's something about that other person that resonated with them and is just a better fit. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to have someone else be a better fit for someone. And that's why I think too, like, you know, I'm so, especially in our community as well, you know, if someone, um, you know, comes to our events and then they're going to other events 
as well. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, yes, you should go to this event. I'm telling them about all the other events that they should go to. And the same thing, like if there's members in our mastermind and then they're like, you know what? I feel like I need this, like this other thing right now. And, and I feel like I need to put a pause on this. I'm like, great. Like you do that. Like that, if that's what's pulling at your attention, if that's what's inspiring you right now, do that. Like I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to support you whether or not you're like a client of mine or not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And so I think like, if you can just have that abundant mentality, I talk about abundance a lot on my podcast, then you just will attract more to you just in, I don't know, just naturally as well. And people will be drawn to that. So yeah, I think that's my perspective on it. Yeah. I have absolutely found that abundance mindset and really like thinking of it as flexing a muscle, I, I have found so mm-hmm. much value in that. And I definitely have felt, uh, especially, you know, my listeners know I went through a pretty severe period of burnout coming out of a corporate role and really had mm-hmm. to like lead with trust. I had to trust the universe in saying, if mm-hmm. I don't have scarcity mindset and if I trust that all these good things can happen despite kind of this negative experience that has just informed me, then yes, good things will happen. With that said, Danielle, you talked about Mm -hmm. all of these pivots that you've had to make and you, I love the way you really stressed like the wins. We did Mm -hmm. this and then we did this, we did this and and this happened. And so we did this. And I think that speaks so much to the way that you must walk through the world of like, how good could this be? Right. But Mm -hmm. there has to have, there have to have been moments where you really struggled with that abundance mindset. Were there times Mm -hmm. when you're watching the pandemic happen and you think, man, we're never going to recover or times when a launch or retention, like as a business owner, I just know that there are these incredible peaks, but they all come with a valley. What, what are some experiences like that that you've had that have helped you become honestly a more well-rounded business owner? Yes. Uh, Oh my goodness. So many, so many moments. I think that like, I think back to just my journey in general of, you know, hosting all these events and like before 2020 happened, um, we had hosted over a hundred events and collaborated with just like hundreds of businesses. And, um, I think (laughs) you become very good at like failing forward when you've hosted that many events. Like it, events are just such, such a wild, um, thing where there's so much on the line, especially in-person events where there's, uh, overhead, there's, um, different people that you're collaborating with. There's so much going on there's so many balls in the air. And because there's so many balls in the air, there's just so many more opportunities for some of those balls to drop. And so I think like through that, I got really good at overcoming, like really hard things. That being said, obviously I never would have ever imagined what would have happened in during the pandemic. And so definitely there were times where I was like, man, like, because at first, of course, everyone thought, okay, this is going to be two weeks. Okay. This is going to, so it kept being like, okay, no worries. Like we'll push off our event. We'll just like reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. And then realizing like, we have to cancel everything and just like, wait, which is because I'm a very 
controlling person as well. And I, I'm a planner and I also, I'm a very like can do person, but when I feel like I don't have options, that's obviously a very scary place to be. And so even though, yes, there was so many opportunities that we could do online, it was always this like, okay, when can we get back to events? When can we get back to events? And it was this like, oh my goodness, like we're not we're not going back to events for a very long time. And I think that was the hardest thing because I had kind of, if, if I'm completely honest with you, I had really a lot of my identity wrapped up in my work. And I had a lot of, you know, I was the person who hosted these epic events and that's how people knew me. And I think there was a lot of like work that I had to do on myself of, okay, I am not able to do in-person events right now. Like, who am I? Like, who, who am I other than a business owner? Um, and really figuring out, like, um, being confident in who I am, even if everything were to, you know, disappear tomorrow and I wasn't a business owner, would I still be like happy with who I am and, and how I treat people and, um, you know, the friends that I have and family. And so I think that was a big turning point. And then in the fall of 2020, I found out we were pregnant with our first. And so we were obviously extremely excited, but I was also coming off of like a really big burnout because, um, right when the pandemic happened, we're like, okay, let's do these like virtual events. So we basically did like back to back to back to back virtual events. We did this massive virtual conference where we actually like shipped out like VIP boxes. We did like all this stuff. And then after that event, I just had a huge like burnout period. And then we found out we were pregnant and then I was like, okay, I need to figure like something needs to change here because, you know, the world shuts down. Maybe that's a sign. Maybe God's trying to tell me that I should slow down. Oh, wait, no, I'm going to just like jump into something else and never slow down. And so I think that was just a big, like, I don't know, uh, reality um, check of Danielle, you need to slow down and just like chill for a second. And so that I think that fall was one of the hardest, but then one of the most transformational times um, of my life, really, I think, because it forced me to just really figure out like, what do I want my life to look like first? And then figuring out, okay, how can I build a business that actually supports where, like what I want my life to look like um, instead of kind of the other way around, like fitting my life into what else is going on. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, more than it was, and you gave me chills because, you know, my children are, are older than yours, but I remember moving across the state. I left my full-time job. My side hustle had been going so well that I thought, well, now it's time to go all in. And then right at the same time, found out I was pregnant with our second. And it was the same sort of like, oh, wow, <laughs> as you're making these pivotal decisions in your career, also, mm -hmm. here's this wonderful thing that you're going to be going through. But by the way, also, you're going to be tired. You're going to have heartburn. Yeah. You're going to have you know, all these things that yeah. you need, this resiliency uh, you may not have for your business. And it really does force you to put things in perspective. Now, I would love to know, because you are somebody who is so much about community and collaboration, you have this wide net of people that you can speak with. 
But I can't imagine that you're bringing the highs and lows and the business decisions to that group. What does your inner circle look like when you find yourself thinking, do I do this or do I do this? Or like, hey, Mm -hmm. I just need to vent. Like this part of it is really hard. What does that inner circle look like? Mm, That's such a good question. Well, I mean, I feel very lucky that um, one of my best friends, um, she actually started a business uh, probably like four years into me running my business too. And I remember like (laughs) encouraging her so much to start a business because selfishly I was like, I want you to be an entrepreneur too so that (laughs) we can like talk about this stuff. And so that's really great. And we do a lot of like co-working together and, and stuff like that. Um, but then also, you know, like mentorship and, um, getting coaching myself and just being a part of different communities has been really, really important to me. Um, so that has always been something that, you know, um, and also just just in general, you know, if I'm leading or if I'm coaching other people, then I need to have that coaching for myself as well because I need to stay sharp so that I can then pour into these people because you can't pour obviously from an empty cup. And so, um, so that's always been like a huge thing for me, whether it be being a part of a group program or a mastermind or, um, just getting one-on-one coaching or taking courses. Like I'm always trying to learn new things and, 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 and that, and I think now it's less about the you know, I'm still learning new things, but it's more about, okay, how can I get people in my life that I really admire? And whether that be peer relationships, um, where I feel like, you know, I can pour into them, they can pour into me the same way. Um, so, so those kind of friendships have been game changing, but then also coaching where I feel like, okay, I just need to like ask this person a bunch of questions and I need them to give me feedback on my business. So, uh, yeah, all of it. Like, I don't know if that answers your questions, but I feel like I try to, as much as I can surround myself with community that inspires me, that challenges me. And that also, like you said, I can just vent too when I need to. Yeah. No, I love that. And that last one, I think that when I was going through burnout, you know, I did not, I had not given myself those tools, you know, either it was Mm. talking with people who were like in the trenches with me, which is great for like moaning and whining and like feeling Mm -hmm. not alone in that problem area, but it doesn't do a lot for figuring out how to get out. And Mm -hmm. I, when I left that experience, I really, I mean, I gave myself all the tools, therapy, really figuring out like, where's my mastermind, where my coaches, and then other Mm -hmm. things that are much less strategic, but are still powerful. Like for example, it's such a silly uh, thing, but it seems to be resonating with other high achievers. My mother texts me every day and asks me if I've had lunch. And it is because when I was coming out of this burnout experience, I realized that I had gotten into this pattern where I would skip lunch all day, every day. And I was, it was too busy. I couldn't take the time, right? And what a silly right. thing to not be able to take 20 minutes to get out of my seat mm-hmm. and go nourish myself and breathe. And so I made this commitment to myself and then also publicly, you know, hey, if this ever, if I ever start to feel like on a consistent basis, I can't do things basic things like take a walk, Mm -hmm. pick my kids up at school, say no to meetings on Fridays. Like I've now, like you said, gotten Mm -hmm. to the point where I'm trying to fit my stuff into my business and not the opposite. Um, But I'm wondering, you talked about this 
you know, I think very understandable slide into burnout when you have this acute uh, challenge where you're doing these events on top of events. Is there mm-hmm. anything right now in your life that you think this is a deal breaker? Like I have to, I, I have to work out in the morning. I need to end work by a certain time to be with my kids. What are some of those non-obvious tools that have helped you avoid slipping back into burnout? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think a big one for me is like checking in with myself and then having other people check in on you. Like, I love that you said your mom texts you. That's so sweet. Like we had lunch today. Um, but like I check in often with my husband too. And it's like, okay, how are you doing? Okay. How are you doing? It's like, but like, how are you really doing? (laughs) And I think it's like being honest with, I think I used to, it sounds weird saying this, but like, I feel like I used to like lie to myself even of like, oh no, like I'm not working too much or like, I'm not like, I used to just sort of like play it off. And then I'm like, that's not serving me. Like just pretending that I'm doing okay. Or that like, you know, working certain hours. And I think so much has changed too, since I had kids, obviously Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just have less time for, um, for work really. And Mm -hmm. I think that has been such a benefit too, because I've learned so much through that in what is actually the important things. And then also like, what do I enjoy doing? Like what actually lights me up? What are the things that I'm doing that I feel like I I'm doing it because I feel like I have to, do I really have to like, do I, cause you don't really have to do anything. So really figuring out like, what are those key things? And yeah, maybe there's some things that you don't love doing that maybe you have to do for a season. Cause maybe you can't afford to be outsourcing it right now, or, um, you know, taxes need to be done obviously, but you know, then having a plan of, you know, for me, it was, okay. I, I realized that anything, tax related, anything, um, bookkeeping related, just really, it was like a dark black (laughs) cloud over my head always. So I'm like, this is something I need to outsource because I need to know someone else has, has got this. And that doesn't mean that like, I'm not checking like my bank accounts and I'm not like, you know, checking on things, but at least I know that's taken care of. I can go to someone say, okay, what's going on here. And, um, you know, that was something that I was trying to do on my own before to, to, you know, keep my business lean, but it was crushing my creativity. It was, it was all of these things. And so it's really like, okay, letting go of the things, you know, need, you need to let go of, and then making space for things that really like light you up and give you energy. Um, and I think that's what like my biggest learnings have been over the past couple of years is what truly do I want to be doing long-term and what kind of things excite me and light me up and then saying no to things that I don't have capacity for in this season and trying not to feel guilty about it. I'd be lying if I say sometimes I don't feel like, oh, but I really want to help that person out or I really want to be a part of this thing. Um, it's sometimes really hard to say no. So I, I am aware of that too. Um, right now I don't have any kind of a strict routine. I mean, I have a four month old and a two and almost a half year old. So routines are, is, are very flexible. Let's just say that (laughs) right now. I totally understand that. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say that, you know, as long as I feel like, okay, I've gotten a couple hours of like, 
you know, stuff I've got to do for the business done. I feel like I've been present with my kids. I'm like you said, I'm nourishing myself. I'm eating, I'm drinking. Um, and then, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like checking in and, and checking in with myself or checking in with my husband and saying, you know, how are you doing? And, and then making changes if it's not working. So I think it's like, being okay with, you might have a plan of this is how I think things are going to go, but often you you have to adjust the plan. And right now we're finding like, we have to adjust the plan sometimes weekly because our kids are so little. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think it's especially helpful to hear you share that. Um, I know that many of the listeners here are either working for someone else, but really like they're very ambitious and they're trying to figure out how do I continue to perform and show up at work while still really honoring this family that I created and that I wanted and that serves me Mm -hmm. or they're working for themselves. And I find sometimes that's an even slipperier, more slippery slope because especially for those of us who work from home, uh, you know, like your office is your kitchen, your office is the kid's playroom. Mm -hmm. And so really I love what you just shared about being flexible um, and I yeah. think being forgiving of yourself too, when things don't necessarily happen. I mean, working asynchronous hours has been really helpful to me. I am such a type A that yes, I want to get all of it done within this uh, parameter. But you know, if I need to get up and do 10 minutes of work on a Saturday, because it empowered me to go watch my softball, my kids play softball for a few hours the mm-hmm. night before, like that's great. Yeah. And I think just like releasing this sort of like, this is what a good CEO looks like. This is what a good founder yeah. operates like has been helpful, okay. but your kids certainly force you to make those adjustments. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. <laughs> I love that. And I want to actually say something to this because it, this is something that we, we literally did this for the first time yesterday. And my husband and I were like, oh my gosh, we should do this every week. We, it was Wednesday at 12 PM. Um, cause we get, um, care for our kids three half days or sorry, four half days a week. And so we're like, why don't we just extend it a little bit and we can go for lunch together. And so we did like kind of a business meeting lunch in the middle of the week. And it was, the best. And I was like, we could do this every week. Like, why not? Why, why can't we do this? And it was just kind of an exciting thing. And I think, um, for anyone who has kids too, little kids, like getting that little bit of freedom where you can just go and like do something that like fills you up is so game changing. And I love that you said, you know, that it doesn't have to look like a perfect, you know, CEO. Cause I think I used to always try to like, oh, well, what's that person doing? What's that person doing? Like, what does their schedule look like? What does their, like, when do they wake up? Or like, when do they go to sleep? Like, what's their exact morning routine? It's like, everyone is so different. Kind of like we talked about before with collaborations. Like, everyone is so unique and so different that trying to do a morning routine just because you saw someone else do it that's successful or that you admire, like you can take inspiration from it and maybe implement some of it for yourself, but it's not going to be exactly what you need to thrive. So it's like being creative and thinking like, well, what do I need or what, like, what is my unique personality um, that I can kind of create my schedule and my routines around what works for me right now. So I think like giving yourself permission to do that um, is really important. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was, um, I decided to go back into business for myself. So I had been running my own business. I went in house for three years with one of my clients. And then when I came out, 
I decided to go back into business for myself. And I remember, I mean, I have journals where I mapped out my plan and it was going to be absolutely no more than 20 hours of work a week. And I figured everything out. I figured out my offer, my service model, everything within that framework. Well, guess what? I booked 20 hours a week and then I was, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was You're craving like, I the want, work. I want to work really, hard, but I'm not allowing myself to. I, that's exactly it. And then I had, to, I really had to come to this, you know, aha moment for myself of, you know, for me. And I, I love that it. That's helpful for people to say, I'm only working ten mm -hmm. hours. I'm twenty hours. But when I did that, I realized that that wasn't actually my motivation, like this arbitrary number. Mm -hmm. I really love to work. So it's, you know, you were talking about it earlier. It's, you know, if it gets to a point where I feel like I have to, or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm having to make concessions in my personal life because of work, then that to me is the line. But I For actually sure. feel much better if I'm doing meaningful, exciting work, and it is more than 20 hours a week. And really just mm -hmm. understanding exactly what we were just saying, which is like, you're not a better or a worse founder or a CEO or a business leader, if you operate within your own rules, you just have to like set and hold those, whatever that boundary is for yourself. And that was such a moment. I remember just feeling like, oh, if I have to give my, myself permission to be somebody that works sometimes 40 hours a week, 40 amazing yeah. hours, meaningful. I love the work I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's okay, right? Like you don't yeah. have to be somebody that has some, but but again, I, I love everything you're talking about, about people being so different and really mm -hmm. being like, I think the message is just figuring out what is going to work inside of your, you know, dream life. Mm -hmm. And anytime it's you're pulled outside of that, then yes, be really hard on those boundaries and bring them back in. But you know, if you love traveling for events or you love being in collaborative communities or whatever that looks like, like you do you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it like in structuring like your um career in a way, like your career or your business in a way that really allows you to thrive too, because I know that like some people work really, really well in the mornings mm -hmm. and some people work really, they're, they're more creative in the afternoons. And, you know, knowing yourself, I think is so important here because, you know, if you are trying to fit into this mold of, oh, well, you know, all the successful people are, are waking up at 5am and they, and they do their work walk and then they do this, but then you're finding yourself like not being able, you like, you know, are barely awake by like, you know, 10 AM, then that's not going to work for you. Like sleep in and then work in the afternoon. That's fine. So yeah, I think it's just really figuring out yeah. your unique like way of working because I just for so many years thought there was like one right way and run mm -hmm. one wrong way. And it's just, that's not, this is just not the reality. So no, yeah, and I, I, I hope that, that I hope that people really heard what you said about like you having this moment where you felt like your identity had been wrapped up in this thing, whether it was by design mm -hmm. or not. And then you really having to adapt and be iterative with, with that identity. Mm -hmm. I love that what you just said echoes that where if somebody is feeling like, Oh, Katie and Danielle are describing me. Like I'm, I'm outside of that. I'm not operating inside of this balance that I want. Well, guess what? Like you get to, you get to make the change. And there's no mm -hmm. saying that Danielle won't face that again, that I won't face that again. But I think just this understanding that everybody around us, and this is why this I wanted to create the show, has experienced these hard costs and really what you do mm -hmm. after them and what you learn from them, I think is the more interesting story. Yeah.
So yeah, I'm going to let you off with, with one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. I have, a, so I come back to a particular mantra all the time and it is a rising tide lifts all boats. That to mm-hmm. me is like, especially resonant in a collaborative community like yours. Mm-hmm. And it's when you were talking about your response to someone who might say, but what if it's the, you know, my competition? No, a rising tide lifts all boats. Is there mm-hmm. anything, a mantra, a phrase, anything like that that you come back to when you have to recenter yourself or when you're going through a challenging time, anything that really keeps mm-hmm. you uplifted? Oh, this is such a good question. I think for me, like, <laughs> It's going to sound super cheesy, but it's like the golden rule, like treat other people how you want to be treated. And also I think never talk negatively about any other person, no matter what they've done, because um, it's just, I think that there's this toxic idea out there that we need to um, like drop everyone in our life that isn't like inspiring us to be a better version of ourselves. And I really don't agree with that at all. Um, I think that relationships are very dynamic. I think that um, through challenges that we have in our relationships actually grows us into better people. Um, And so like when it comes to the relationships in your life, whether it be uh, your marriage or relationships with your family or friendships, it's like you have, sometimes you have to do the hard work and sometimes um, you, there, there, you can still have boundaries for sure. And boundaries are very, very important. But I also believe that sometimes walking with people as they're walking through challenges is one of the most like humbling um, character changing things that you can do. Uh, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about community. It's not easy. Like it's not this, like I think people think of community as this like fluffy thing where things are always going well, but when relationships are the best and the deepest, it's when you've gone through hard (laughs) things together. So, um, yeah, I don't know why I thought of that when you when you asked that question, but that was like the first thing that came to my mind because that's actually been on my mind a lot lately because I've seen a lot of things online that are I just am like, "Oh, that idea is in my yeah. opinion very toxic and I think we need to get away from that because humans are valuable um and none of us are perfect." So, oh, we need to great. have a little bit more grace, <laughs> I think, for for other people and for oh. ourselves too. So, yeah. I love that. I don't think I don't think the golden rule is cheesy. I think it's a classic for a reason. And I think I love, it's actually just a reminder to myself. Um, I think often that hurt people hurt people if we're going to pull in another cliche. And when Mm -hmm. I find myself operating from a defensive standpoint, I will say and think things that are like very reactionary and I don't Mm -hmm. ever like that about myself. And I am always wondering like, what if somebody judged me on this one mm-hmm. moment in my life or this one thing or Probably. this highlight reel, right? That they saw like, yeah. what a great event we just kicked off. And then they don't know behind the scenes, like your event mm-hmm. planner didn't show up and the food didn't, wasn't good. And 
you know, your swag yeah. bags didn't arrive, like all these things. So um, I love that so much, Danielle. And I think that's the perfect way to leave the conversation. I'm so thankful mm. that you were willing to share your story and oh, really thankful you. that you are doing what you do because this community certainly deserves your leadership. And um, like I said, I am such a big fan and if didn't even know it was possible, but I'm a bigger fan now after meeting you Aww. for real. So thank you again. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I appreciate so much that you asked me to be on this podcast. I always love conversations like this. So thank you. Thank you for um, having me on. And I hope we can collaborate again soon. So I mentioned Danielle's work at Business Babes Collective. I also told you that she is a wife. She's a mother of two. And she is passionate about teaching women how to build their own profitable and sustainable businesses that create time and financial freedom. Of course, you heard us talk about that on the episode. And I really want to encourage you to connect with Danielle on her social media platforms. And there are two places on Instagram, and I highly recommend that you follow both because they are both so vibrant and engaging and informative and interesting. The official Business Babes Collective account is at Business Babes Co., Business Babes Co. That's on Instagram. You can also follow Danny's personal stories at Danny Living Life, again, on Instagram. Of course, you can find Danielle Weave on LinkedIn. You can follow and subscribe and listen to her Business Babes Collective podcast. The best way to find the links for that, by the way, is to go to businessbabescollective.com slash podcast. There's also a Facebook group for female entrepreneurs, a lot of free resources, and so much more. And that is all at businessbabescollective.com. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Danielle and hearing her story and especially hearing her perspective on collaboration over competition and the way that we all treat each other as we walk through the world. I loved this conversation and I can't wait to bring you the next one on hard costs. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.